Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Life is full of struggles. It seems like nothing comes easily. Many times it feels like we're wrestling with God himself. Is he standing in our way? Is he challenging us? Or is something deeper happening? We have a choice. Give up, walk away, or fight until dawn breaks. How will you wrestle? Welcome to Grace Life. So glad to see you guys. We're kicking off a new series today, as you can tell, uh, and it's called Wrestle. It's about learning to get something from God that doesn't come easily, also known as wrestling with God. If, if you look throughout Scripture, there are hundreds of stories of men and women who wrestled with God, and uh, many of the stories don't end well. Some of them do. That's why we want to talk about this. We want to be the ones who do end well. And uh, I'm one of those people who I can tell you I've wrestled with God a lot. I've wrestled with men a lot, uh, men and women, whatever, however you want to look at that. And, and most of the time it hasn't gone well. I've learned a lot. And I think that's good for you guys. Because I don't think anybody wants someone to stand up here and talk to you about wrestling with God if they haven't done it, right? And so as I was preparing this series, I felt like God told me to be a little more transparent than normal. I'm usually pretty straightforward about who I am, and that's good, but that means as, as we go through this series, I'm going to tell you some of my stories of wrestling, and, and you're going to get to know me a lot better over the next three weeks than you did before, and hopefully that'll be a good thing. If not, well, there you go. See, here's the problem we face. Life is full of wrestling. It's either with men or with God, and if you do it long enough, you're going to eventually figure out even when you're wrestling with men, you're actually wrestling with God, but then I just gave you one of the secrets of the series, didn't I? And so when I say wrestling with God, what are we really talking about? Because it almost sounds like it's a, a heresy in a sense, or disrespectful at the very least. Oh, well, I wrestled with God. Really? Who do you think you are? No, it's not meant like that. What it's saying is, is that sometimes that God will allow and even orchestrate some really tough times and challenges in our lives to either teach us something or give us something. But he's up to something either way. And so the problem we have is we immediately ask this question, wait a minute, but I thought God is supposed to be good and loving. So somebody please tell me, why would a good and loving God make us wrestle with him to get something he wants to give us? Because we have a different mentality. We think love means something else. We think love means that you will make me happy all the time, that you will serve me. I mean, think about it. How many of you, when you were dating someone, we're about to get married, said, I really love you, and I think you really love me. I have no expectations of happiness. And I never am going to ask you to do something for me and think that you would do that in return. No, actually, it's just the opposite. I love you, you love me. Either way, I'm looking forward to a blissful life of perfection. Always having my coffee ready in the morning. Always having the bills covered and paid, and, and, and I won't even have to do anything because you'll do it all. It'll be great. If this is your perspective, which unfortunately it probably is for most of us, then there is no way, no way for you to believe that God loves you, that God is good to you, and that God blesses you because this mentality stands opposed to everything of who God really is and the way that he works. It's, it's opposite of the kingdom. Why, why would wrestling with God have anything to do with someone who loves us? See, first of all, we have to admit that as Westerners, and especially as Americans, and I am one, so I can pick on us today, okay? Because I'm about to hurt you, but I'm hurting me too. We have what I call the spoiled child mentality. I want it. I want it now, 
And by golly, I want it to be easy. I am not going to work hard for this. That's our mantra. But it stands opposed to everything in God's way of interacting with his children. Here's the way it actually works in God's kingdom. The more it's worth having, the more it's worth wrestling for. Anything that comes easily usually isn't very valuable to us. Think about that. Somebody gives you something, didn't cost much. How long does it take before it's at goodwill? Something, on the other hand, that you have to fight for, you have to save up for, you have to struggle with. Something that means a lot to you. That thing never makes it to goodwill. Even after it's broken, glue it back together and it stays on the shelf. Even after your wife keeps trying to get it. No, no, I'm just kidding. The harder we fight for it, the more we value it. And the more gratitude that we actually have for it. And so I think it's incredibly simple. God wants us to deeply value the things that he's given us. And God wants us to be eternally grateful for what he's doing in our lives. So we're going to actually use one famous example. I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm going to preach an entire series on just one passage. We're going to, we're going to use the same story for all three weeks. And it's a, it's a pretty famous story. It's out of the Old Testament. And if you've ever read much of the Old Testament, you've maybe heard a phrase. Have you ever heard this phrase that says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You ever heard that phrase? Well, today we're going to talk about Jacob. Over the next three weeks, we're going to look at something that Jacob did. You see, in your Bible, there's a, a portion of your Bible and they've put in a title in there, and it wasn't there 2,000 years ago, but we've put in titles to help us understand it. And there's a title that says, Jacob Wrestles with God. What it turns out is Jacob actually had a physical wrestling encounter that represented everything else he'd ever been through in his life. And in reality, it represents everything that you and I go through as well. So we're going to start there. It's in Genesis 32, if you want to turn with me. Start in verse 22. Again, we're going to do this for three weeks in a row, so you can put a little mark in your Bible or something like that. If not, it's on the screen behind me. And it says, the same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok, that was a river. And he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And there's a reason for this. I couldn't read all of the 31 chapters that comes before this to you and give you the whole backstory, but he's running for his life. You see, he's actually done something really, really wrong to someone, his brother, and we'll get to more of that story. Uh, and so his brother has now shown up with 400 other men, and he's pretty sure he's about to die. And so he's separated all of his stuff. He's divided them into different camps. So if his brother destroys one, at least another will be left. And so now he's, he's, he's sent all of his stuff away, and all he's got left are these few people right around him, his closest people to them. And so he thinks that in the middle of the night, he's likely to die. So he sends them on. And these next words. And Jacob was left alone. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day is broken. Isn't that funny? I came and messed with you. I'm done messing with you. Let go of me. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, well, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, not anymore. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? 
And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Just to make sure we're all on the same page for the entire series. Otherwise, if you missed this point, you missed everything. What began looking like Jacob was wrestling with a person, turned out Jacob was actually wrestling with God himself. He started out the night thinking, this is some weird man that showed up out of the wilderness and, and wants to take my life. And, and he's not going to do that. I'm just going to fight him. But after an entire night of wrestling, and when finally the sun comes up and he sees what's going on, he discovers he's been wrestling with God. So my goal today as we kick off this series is I want us to understand that there are three key truths about wrestling with God. Three things that we have to know before we get anything else. And so I'm going to back up that. This, this part of it where it said, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, catch that. That's interesting, isn't it? Because isn't he wrestling with God? You mean God couldn't get him? When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, <clears throat> he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then later it says, you have striven with God and with men, and have prevailed. The first thing that we need to understand is that we must learn to prevail. And so what does it mean to prevail? Because did Jacob actually beat God? It's not a trick question. No. Could you beat God? Can anybody beat God? No, nobody can beat God. He didn't wrestle with him and win. But it was that important phrase that said, the breaking of day. In other words, this guy showed up. God showed up in the middle of the night and began to wrestle with him. And when the day was, was, was there, when the morning came, Jacob was still wrestling. That's what it means to prevail. To prevail means to still be wrestling when the darkness lifts. Think about that for a minute. Think about your own life. To prevail means to still be wrestling when the darkness lifts. It's not about beating God. You'll never beat God. It simply is about not walking away and not giving up when you're in the midst of it. That is prevailing, the breaking of the day. You've got to wrestle until dawn breaks. Too many people give up in the middle of the darkness. Too many people have gotten to a point where everything is going wrong. And they say, I can't do this anymore. God doesn't answer my prayers. God is not there. The enemy must be winning. I quit. In the middle of the night. Jacob only prevailed because he was still wrestling when the sun came up. You see, when you give up in the darkness, all you get is bitterness. Oh, you get this disillusionment. You think things should have been a way they're not. You think God should be somebody he's not. You're, you're totally ruined. You're hurt. That's all you've got. But if you wrestle, until dawn breaks, you prevail. Second thing is we must learn to wrestle alone. We must learn to wrestle alone. Remember this part says he took them and he sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. God intentionally waited. Jacob sent away all of his servants. He sent away all of his animals. Then he sent away his wives and he sent away everything that he had. And when there was no one there but Jacob, God showed up. God showed up to wrestle Jacob when he was alone because no one else can wrestle God for you. No one else can wrestle God for you. You see, God's got something he wants to give you that he's not going to give to someone else to deliver. God's got something for you, and you alone have to wrestle for it personally. And the enemy loves this as an opportunity. He's looking at this going, look at this, man. You're alone. 
And God didn't show up with chocolate chip cookies. God showed up with, with tough times and hard circumstances. And he's wrestling with you. And it is dark. And you should be afraid. You should be very afraid. You see, here's what happens when we find ourselves wrestling with God alone. Here's a promise. The circumstances always inspire fear. Always. Because he's trying to teach you something that you can't get any other way. Always inspire fear. Think about this for Jacob. It was the middle of the darkness, the middle of the wilderness, I can speak. He's all alone by himself. One of his biggest enemies, someone who should be close to him, but he did him so wrong that he's turned him into one of his greatest enemies, is coming toward him with 400 people. He just had the thought when this hand reached out and touched him in the wilderness, there's 400 in front of me, there must be about 400 behind me. Crap. Circumstances that inspire fear. And another part of the story I didn't read to you was when he just showed up in this place, the first thing that happened is he saw angels. He said, whoa, there are angels of God in this place. God is here. And so if you're in his place and, and, and it's dark and you're alone and you're thinking, man, finally God's had it. God's going to finally allow me to get the justice that I deserve. He's going to let my brother take me out and because there's angels here. Even God has shown up to watch this fight. Nothing's about to go well for me. God's even on his side. That's what the circumstances look like when God shows up to wrestle you. The enemy wants you to believe that you are alone against God. But in reality, you're alone with God. It just happens that alone with God is something we're not very comfortable with. Alone with God is scary. Alone with God is confusing. It's kind of like being on that first awkward date. You don't know somebody. So, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm sovereignly in control. I always get my way. You will worship me. This will not go any other way. I mean, just imagine that conversation. And we don't know him. Matter of fact, many of us, because we, we've, we've heard stories, right? Have you heard some of the stories in the Old Testament where, where the Ark of the Covenant was about to fall down and somebody reached out their hand to, to keep it from falling down like, God, I'm doing you a favor, and God struck them down? A lot of us, honestly, as good as we want to know God is, I'll come once a week to that thing they call church. I will not sit on the front row. It's a little too close. Lightning could strike. Need to be a little further back. I will look, I will listen, I'm safe here. And so when you find yourself in circumstances that inspire fear and there is no one there but God, the God that we don't really know as well as we should, we're almost as scared of him as we are as the rest of the circumstances. Wonder what he'll do. I've heard some stories where he showed up and he blessed people. But I've also heard some stories where he showed up and did quite the opposite. And well, I know who I am and Man, I'm, I'm kind of afraid to be alone with God. Third one, we must wrestle until we get something. Each part of this series is going to touch on a different thing that we wrestle God for. Today, I just want to touch on this one thought. God wants us to wrestle him for a blessing. 
God wants us to wrestle Him for a blessing. God has something good that He wants to put into our lives. He's got it for us and He's waiting for us. Did you catch this part where Jacob said, I will not let you go. Not unless you bless me. You see, at first, Jacob was wrestling for his life. This man shows up. He's just trying to stay alive. I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're one of my brother's men. I don't know if I've accidentally camped where a bunch of bandits are hanging out. I don't know what's going on. But all I know is I want to see my family again. I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to wrestle you. I'm going to wrestle you until, until I can win. Except it didn't quite work that way. Because suddenly Jacob figured out this wasn't a man. You see, Jacob wrestled all night long. Can y'all just think about that for a minute? How many times do you get into a wrestling match with God over something? Something isn't going the way that it needs to go. And so you get down on your knees and you pray and say, God, I need you to move. And you wake up the next day going, huh, is it time yet? God, you got it? Okay, 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 one day. Maybe that's not, uh, all right, I'll go two days. Come on, God, God, I need you to move. And you call the pastor and say, well, what can I do about this? Well, are you praying? Yeah, I'm praying. All right, have you fasted? All right, I tell you what, I'm going to skip lunch today. I've prayed twice. I've skipped lunch. But golly, God's going to show up the next day, right? Come on, Wednesday, God's there. Except he doesn't do what you want on Wednesday. He doesn't do it on Thursday. Or the next week. Or the week after. Weeks turn into months. Months turn into years. And you think, if it's going to go this long, I mean, have you ever physically wrestled with men? You, did you see those two guys? Imagine being one of those two guys. How long does night last? You want to do that for eight hours? Put that in the spiritual realm. What is it like to wrestle with God? We want, the, we want this to be like, I wrestled with God for five minutes. Not until dawn breaks. Jacob wrestled all night long, and that's when he figured this thing out. Because when the sun began to lift, after eight, nine, maybe even ten hours, depending upon the season of the year this took place, and all of the darkness, when it finally began to lift, and he was still fighting this guy. This guy just went. And suddenly, Jacob was done. The fight was over. But at that point, you can imagine, he's just kind of like got him in this grip. He can't move. He can't get up. He can't do anything else. But he says, no man can do that. If a man could do that, a man would have done that eight hours ago. You just suddenly, who are you? Oh, no, no, no. I know who you are, and I will not let go. I will not let go until you bless me. Because this has cost way too much. And this hurts too much. Chances are I'm never going to walk without a limp again. So goes the story. I will not let you go. You may have started this, but I will end it. I don't care how long you keep this going. I mean, Jacob didn't even know that it only took until dawn breaks. For all he knew, he's going to go two more days. All he knew is, I'm not letting go until I get what I came for. You started this fight last night. I just wanted to lay down and go to sleep and hope I didn't die in my sleep. But you showed up. Wait and see. I will not let go. I will not let go. See, you may not have known it. 
But you've wrestled with God before. You've wrestled with God for every good thing in your life. At first, we wrestled over whether or not we're even going to give God control of our lives. Is he going to be our king? Is he going to be our Lord? Or are we just going to go to church with our mom on Easter and say that's good enough? We all wrestled with God. And then after you finally give up control and you make him king and you think, good, the wrestling is over, you find out it's only just begun. And you've wrestled with him every day since. And it's either been a fight for faith or it's been a fight in prayer. You ever had to wrestle with God in a way that you prayed for something you couldn't see? You prayed for something that if he didn't give it, it wasn't coming from anywhere else? You ever prayed until you felt like you had no words to pray anymore? You ever fought holding on to faith when faith is hard? I mean, faith is easy. It's not a fight, is it? You just won the lottery. Oh, praise God, waving your ticket in the air. But what about when you get laid off and you're already a month behind on your bills? That's wrestling with God. See, here's what you need to ask yourself right now. What are you wrestling for today? And why is it so significant? You see, if, if you weren't having to wrestle for it so hard, it wouldn't be very significant. God would have already released it. He would have given it to you without thinking twice. That's a real question, by the way. I really want you to ask that, not rhetorical. What are you wrestling for today? And, and this is why this is important. If you know why this is so important to you and why you're having to wrestle so hard for it, then you will have everything you need right here to prevail. And you know why so many people don't prevail until dawn breaks? Because they don't even understand how important it is. But the minute that you get it, the minute that you get it, and if you know that, you'll also know why the enemy so badly wants you to quit in the middle of the night. If you know why this is so significant, and if you know what you're wrestling for. You see, for Jacob, here's the backstory that you may not know. And if you do, then you'll kind of understand this. Jacob was the second born. And he had stolen his brother's blessing as the firstborn. By literally dressing up as his brother. And going to his aging, dying, mostly blind father and lying to him. Why, yes, I'm not Jacob, I'm Esau. And so his father blesses him. Now this really confuses us in this story as Americans because we're just good at taking back what we said. Oh, no, I didn't really mean what I said. Oh, that thing yesterday, I take that back. Will you just, just, just pretend I never said that? But there's so much more power in words than our culture ever gets. And so when... His father, Isaac, figured out what had gone wrong, and Esau shows up for his blessing. His father says, I can't give you the blessing. I already gave it away. What do you mean you gave it away? It was words. It was just words. And he lied to get them. Just say they don't mean anything and say them to me. It doesn't work that way. Your brother has your blessing. Wow. And there was a time before that where Esau had worked really hard, and he was hungry. And Jacob hadn't worked very hard. He's just standing in the kitchen. 
making some lentils. Y'all should read the Bible. It's quite funny. And Esau shows up. Will you give me some of that? And like a kind, loving brother who was taught to share by his well-balanced parents, should do a whole series on that family, I'm telling you, to the third generation. Why, well, he says, of course I will not share with you until you give me the most valuable thing in your life. I will watch you starve and then I'll take it. Or I'll give you the soup after you trade. He had swindled his brother out of everything. And as a result, he was blessed. And as a result, he lived a really blessed life. But his blessing came with a cost. There was an incredibly heavy weight in his soul. Because although he had an incredible blessing and he had so much stuff around him, he had so much unresolved guilt here that he couldn't see what he had. He had so much shame. And he had so much fear that what he had done was going to come back upon him. And that's kind of half of his story, by the way. We don't have time for that today. It came with judgment because everywhere he went, it seemed that God was reminding him what he had done. He himself was a swindler, and yet everybody else started trying to swindle him. And he was tired of running. And he was tired of having to out-swindle the swindlers so that he could be the number one swindler. So let me show you what this meant. For the first time in his entire life, since he was some young little boy playing in the, the field with no cares at all, for the first time since then, he knew this was a righteous blessing. If he wouldn't let go until he got it, this would be a blessing he actually deserved. This would be a blessing that belonged to him that wouldn't come with a weight in his soul. And this would be a blessing that represented a freedom from shame because he would know he hadn't stolen it from anybody. This would be a blessing that represented freedom from fear because he would never have to look over his shoulder and wonder if somebody was coming to take it back because it was his. This was a blessing that represented what God was giving him instead of what he was taking for himself. The blessing would literally change his life and set him free in a way you would never know. So again, I want you to ask yourself the question, what are you wrestling for today? Some of you, it's about 10 p.m. I'm sorry to tell you. You think you're one prayer away from seeing this done and yeah, there's about eight more hours of darkness. Are you going to wrestle until you prevail? Some of you are saying, I cannot go one more step. Good news for you. It's about 4 a.m. Come on. Just hold on. Don't let go. And some of you, some of you are already broken. Your hip is already messed up. And you're starting to see the sunrise. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. No, hold tight. Hold on with all that you've got and say, I will not let you go. This, this has been long. It has been dark. It has been hard. And I will not let you go until you bless me. 
had a couple of really big wrestling matches in my own life. Probably had a hundred really big wrestling matches in my own life, but the two biggest areas that I've had to fight over the most have been my ministry and my family. The two things that I believe God had told me from an early age. See, when I was 16 years old, if you met me and asked me, people in my high school said, what do you want to do when you grow up? This was my true answer. I remember telling people, have a great Christian family. And also at 16, I knew God had called me to do what I'm doing today. And I've had to wrestle with God every day since to have those two things. So I'm going to share a little bit of a story that some of you know, or some of you know part of. We had our first child. He's the guy that plays drums sometimes, not today. 17. We did what every couple does. We plan our perfect lives, get married and say, how long do we want to wait to have kids? Because we're totally in control of this, right? Well, you know, we want to take a honeymoon and a good vacation and get ourselves financially well off. I was a teacher. That was stupid. We'll wait two years. We'll be in a great place. Two years in, like clockwork, we have our first child. It's great. Well, honey, what's the next step of our life that we think we're in control of? Well, we'd like to have another child in about two years. Turns out, for some reason, we became barren. And two years became three, and three became four, and four became five, and five became six. The darkness goes on for hours sometimes. And we prayed, and we tried fertility, and we tried everything. We, we, we did whatever there was to do. And then God showed up. We got pregnant with a little girl. I always wanted a little girl. And I've recently shared some of this story, so I'll make that part move quickly. That She died of a fatal birth defect. And then one year on her birthday, literally, I can't make this stuff up, on her birthday, my wife went in for another ultrasound. You see, we'd had to wrestle with God. Wait a minute. We, we had a child, and we went six years barren, God not answering any prayer, and God telling us stories of what our family would be like. I believed God wanted me to have this big family. I'd had people come to me and say, hey, I was praying for you. And God showed me a picture of you. And it was this huge family. And it was like Saturday morning cartoons. And you were the biggest cartoon character of all. Yes. And after six years in, and after this, we had to wrestle with God. Are we even going to try this again? But we did. We did. And so then the time came. One year of her birthday, one year old, she would have been one. My wife goes in for another ultrasound and the doctor says, I'm sorry. It's going to happen again. You want to talk about wrestling with God? You see, the first time we carried our child to full term only to leave the hospital empty handed. Because our faith says that our God will do a miracle. And even if he doesn't, we're going to honor him. You don't think I wrestled with God on saying, excuse me, why should I honor you when you don't show up? You ever had thoughts like that? Why should I be worried about what people think about you when you're not worried about me? I'm down here trying to do everything I can to bring honor to your name. Six years barren, one child already in heaven with you. And they're going to take a second. You're going to have more of my kids than I do and you are worried about me honoring you. 
You want to talk about wrestling God? I'll tell you I was wrestling God. I didn't know it. I was wrestling for more than my family because if I'd have gone with what I truly believed about God at that moment, I wouldn't be standing here today, obviously. So we prayed. And we thought that we would come home empty again. But I want to show you, this is the blessing that the enemy... This is the blessing the enemy wants you to walk out on in the middle of the night. The doctors told us that we should abort. Our experience says you should abort. I don't think a single person on earth would have pointed fingers at us the second time in a row we're carrying a child that is going to have a fatal birth defect and not live. This is the blessing the enemy wants you to stop, to let go. And to walk away from in the middle of the darkness. But this is the blessing God wants to give you. If you wrestle until dawn breaks. I actually thought about having these printed and giving every one of you one. To put on your fridge. So you would never forget. And then I thought. A little strange. <laughs> so here is what I want you to do. I want you to get a picture of whatever this blessing is you're fighting for. And I want you to put it on your fridge. And across that picture, I want you to write until dawn breaks. And if you're not even sure, if all you know is you are in the middle of a wrestling match and you don't even know what's on the other side, I want you to get a sheet of paper, put a big question mark, and put until dawn breaks. Because I will not let go. I want to close by talking to those of you who you're at the beginning of wrestling with God. You've never given him control. And it might be because you just think you're having more fun without him. And that is so far from true. Maybe, maybe you've just already been too hurt. Maybe you're already in the middle of the darkness. And so you don't think that God is worthy of you giving your life to him. That's a lie from the enemy. I'm going to tell you, every good thing that I have in my life came from God. Yes, yes, I had to wrestle for it, but every good thing in my life came from him. And if you're on the outside, I want to encourage you. Don't give up. Get the blessing. And the blessing is Jesus died on the cross for you so that you don't have to make your way on your own. If you have never in your own life, on your own, said, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I want you to be my king. I want to help you do that right now. And you don't have to do anything weird. We're going to pray right where you are. Would everybody just join me? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. And I want to live for you. I acknowledge I've wrestled for so long trying to be good enough on my own or just not caring about what good enough is but today I thank you for your love for your mercy and your forgiveness and my one prayer 
is that you will bless me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.